the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I have some giveaways this segment if you want to get in on the action. First and foremost, Monster Jam tickets, Monster Jam tickets. Winner receives a family four-pack to Monster Jam Sunday, February 17th at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. These are fun events. Very, very loud. Monster Jam is adrenaline-charged family entertainment, providing jaw-dropping displays and gravity-defying feats that promise to always leave fans entertained. Monster Jam events feature some of the most famous trucks in the world, including Gravedigger. I've had my picture taken with Gravedigger. Uh, Max DTM, El Toro Loco, and many, many more world-class drivers push these perfectly engineered Monster Jam trucks to their limits in freestyle, two-wheel skills, and racing competitions that will put families on edge of their seats and leave them craving more of the unexpected, unscripted, unforgettable event. For tickets, go to Ticketmaster.com or go to KDOW.biz. It's KDOW.biz. It's Sunday, February 17th, four-pack, Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Fun. Loud. Fun. All kids love trucks. I don't know if that's true or false, but I'm going to say it is. <laughs> 800-516-1220 to get those calls. Uh, get those tickets. It's 800-516-1220 to get those call, uh, those tickets. And again, previous winners excluded. People named Corey excluded. And uh, that's enough to exclude. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on those tickets. 800-516-1220. Uh, money investing in more. Anything that you want to talk about is fair game on this show, in my opinion, as long as it's relatively reasonable. Um, Twitter. It's a mixed quarter. Oh, before we get to Twitter, let's go to the WWE, because it kind of ties in with the Monster Jam. You know, entertainment that's probably, I'm not going to say kid-driven, but maybe. Is that fair to say? Um, But it's another set of eyeballs. And I don't want you to ever, never, ever be an investor snob. And what I mean by that is you can't say anything is beneath you. You know, it's good to have standards for sure. And you can say, I won't invest in that. But try not to be a snob about it. I won't invest in Philip Morris or Altrick because it creates cancer. Cancer is a bad thing. I've done it in the past. I've invested in it after my father died of cancer. Am I a hypocrite? No. What I'm trying to say is develop some standards and some rules. And WWE didn't have a bad quarter. Um, you don't have to own Disney to be like the coolest kid on town. WWE's earnings doubled, but the stock is hard to pin down. Right? Is that funny? Uh, okay, so that wasn't funny. I get it. I get it. My attempted at humor was a failure. But WWE is just as worthy of watching and noting as Netflix, as Disney, as Twitter, um, K 
kid's eyeballs, they're worth something. Because when when your kid is in love with Hulk Hogan or The Rock, um, it becomes media. And media runs off advertising. And the media segment of WWE revenue jumped 40% to $205 million. Will this ever, you know, max out? It could. You know, how many kids love wrestling? I don't know. I haven't studied it enough. But media grew 40%. Their live events was pretty flat at $34.4 million. I am saying this sadly, and I hate saying this. I've been to a WWE event. When I was 16, I was totally in love with a girl named Dania. Uh, big old crush, and she had a younger brother who was like 10 or 12, and he liked WWE. Probably Hulk. Probably the Hulkster, right? Who, didn't like, who wasn't a Hulk maniac? And I bought tickets, and I bought three tickets for four tickets, and my dad drove three tickets, I think. I was, I was scooping ice cream. I know you're saying, how did you make money at 16 scooping ice cream? Um, where does this go? So I've been to a WWE event, and I didn't get married. Danian, kind of glad I didn't, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but Monster Jam tickets, 800-516. We have a family four-pack waiting for you for Sunday, February 17th at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. Call 800-516-1220 to get those tickets. Believe it or not, I have another ticket giveaway later in this segment. I know you're saying, I'm too good to you. If you get free tickets and you take your kids and you, uh, how shall we say, enjoy the experience, San Jose, SAP, Oakland, Alameda County Coliseum, there's some really good stuff. Some really good stuff uh, to enjoy if you haven't been. I'll say we say it around the block. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So Disney had a good, Disney had a bad quarter as far as earnings go, but they teach us the, the primary lesson of investing. It's not about what have you done for me lately. It's what are you going to do for me next year? BB&T's in the news. They're going to buy SunTrust in the biggest bank merger in a decade. I like mergers and acquisitions. When someone looks over their shoulder and goes, oh, yeah, um, that SunTrust is looking pretty good. And BB&T is like, yeah, why don't we hook up and uh, hit, hit up the clients together, right? This is a southern play. Charlotte, North Carolina, with branches throughout the southeast. It's going to be the sixth biggest commercial bank in the U.S. by assets. There's going to be a big wave of bank mergers that you know, has played out on smaller or mid-sized deals so far. Brian Moynihan, who runs Bank of America, which is a company you love or you hate, he said he could envision the creation of another mega bank, given the large number of small players spread throughout the country. There is an ETF called Regional Banks. I want you to do your own homework on this one and Google Regional Bank ETF. And what Moynihan is basically saying is there's some big boys out there like Citibank and Bank of America and Wells Fargo. And then, then there's everyone else. And he thinks there's, there's room for another one. Uh, whether you're J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank Corp. Now, now joining that list is BB&T and SunTrust. And they had to do it through a merger and acquisition. It's a quick combination, happened fast. I like mergers and acquisitions because it's when companies look at each other and say, you got what I need. You, you got what I need. But you say he's just a friend. But you say, okay, I'll drop it. Oh, come on. 
if I, if I break into some method man, method man, you better give me better than that. Because I'm not the one pushing buttons. I'm the one with the talented vocal pipes of, of God. Bono Vox. So that was a little Bismarcky, just a friend. If you want to impress your friends today at lunch, pull up the video and you'll go, what were we thinking? Seriously, what were we thinking in the 80s and 90s? Style is not very good. So the market's dealing with a big run after a big fall and an earnings season, which was fine, but said going forward, maybe not great. Sonos is in the news. A lot of people think Apple will eventually acquire Sonos. Sales grew 42% for their home theater. Very high-end speakers. They're very, very cool. Listening hours up 38%. They got new products coming out with Ikea. They're trying to burn off excess inventory. Do you see kind of like some of the, the phrases that people look at? So I have tickets. What do I have tickets for? Disney on Ice. 800-516-1220. Winner receives four complimentary passes to see Disney on Ice Dare to Dream at the SAP Center in San Jose, February 20th through the 24th, or the Oracle Arena, February 27th through March 3rd. I've been to Disney on Ice. You can choose which event you want to go to. Call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Talk to you soon. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. How can I say this in 40, 140 characters or less? Twitter's sales forecast falls short on tepid user growth. Not bad, right? So Twitter, publicly traded company, Jack Dorsey, um, it's not a company that you compare it to Facebook. You want to, but it's not. Will it ever be Facebook? No. <clears throat> Daily active users increased to $126 million from $115 million. Fourth quarter sales were $909 million, beating expectations. All things considered, it wasn't a bad quarter, especially for a company that a couple years ago was really, really struggling. Uh, to show some sort of Wall Street traction as far as engagement, user numbers, earnings, revenue, things that we care about. The company's been ramping up efforts to reduce abuse on its platform and to root out fake accounts and election malfeasance. That's expensive. We've already learned that from Facebook, so we kind of should have known that was coming for Twitter, right? In the end, if you only have so much money, which one are you going to choose? I, myself, will take not the road less traveled, the road more traveled. Sometimes I like the safety. Now, again, Facebook's got more risk tied towards regulation than Twitter does. Twitter has more opportunity, but they haven't shown me the the history of, of performance. So, in the end, which one do you want? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We talk about Disney's quarter. We talk about the overall first quarter. We talk about the political environment and a lot of big things coming up, including maybe potentially another shutdown, maybe a deal or no deal. Deal or no deal with China. Just hope the the, uh, suitcase doesn't have $5 in it, right? Speaking about $5, it's about how much I pay for this man's advice on a daily basis. CFP Chad Burton joining me now. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little asset allocation 
It is two words put together that we know in the investment community. Some of us know it better, some of it more intimately. What's asset allocation mean to you, Chad? Well, first of all, let's 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 talk about what it doesn't mean because I think it's a term that's really misunderstood. Okay. Um, a lot of people that start investing think asset allocation means that it's always being in the right asset class all the time and shifting from one asset class to another, which is really the same thing as, as day trading. Now, you want to do a little bit of that once you've accumulated a portfolio, overweight and underweight in different areas, including cash, which is an asset class. But really what asset allocation means is you're trying to build a portfolio to achieve a certain goal with the least amount of risk possible, knowing that you're going to be wrong sometimes, so you still continue to hold on to certain asset classes, um, like small cap, like emerging markets, which will have you know kind of a three steps forward, two steps back type of a process. And do you look at some people would look at asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and real estate? Do you look at small caps and international, like you just brought up? Do you look at that as a sub asset class, or is it a totally different asset? It's it's a it's an asset class. Okay. So I think that there's times like during the big part of the credit crisis, we steered clear of small caps altogether, for example, uh, because of the risk factors that were involved. But we didn't like doing that for too long, so we still own a, a piece of small cap, which started off 2012, for example, the first month with with big gains, for example. You you just want to maintain a certain exposure to these asset classes, and, and there's more than just stocks, bonds, and real estate. Within stocks, you've got the large cap, mid cap, small cap, but you also have different management styles between value and growth, or even just dividend growth investing. You also have uh, commodities that have to be a part of your portfolio as well, and there's a whole slew of alternative investments that people should be getting, you know, taking a look at and becoming educated on within the alternative asset class space. There's managed futures, which is another way to get into currency and commodities. Okay. There is funds that deal with merger and acquisitions. There's funds that deal with what's called kind of the buy right area, which is really covered calls. So it's a way to get into the market with creating income on, on, on different stocks. And there are tor- types of portfolios where if you're trying to find a spot where I don't want to be in cash, but I don't like where bonds are. I don't stocks maybe feel a little overvalued. You might look get into funds which hedge with the downside. There's funds out there that mirror the S and P 500. They sell covered calls to create some extra income, and they use that income to buy protective puts, which means you have upside exposure, but it's limited. Right. And in trade off, you have limited downside risk as well. All of those are different pieces that go into asset allocation. The, the idea is that every year in the market, you have something that's doing good. So if if you're trying to compare your portfolio, just the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 has a roaring year because of tech and financials, for right. example, you're going to underperform a little bit in the good years. But you're going to outperform a lot in the bad years. That's what asset allocation is really about. Seven out of 10 years are positive. Three out of 10 is negative. It's a three out of 10 makes a big difference. That's the math behind asset allocation. Before we get into that, um, comic books, asset asset or not? Um, is, as far as collectibles? Yeah. That's yeah, kind of where I'm I mean, getting at. It, it can be. I'm sure there's been some successful comic book collectors out there. Okay. And um, how about art? Do you look at art as an asset class for the wealthy, for the poor? Should people be buying it? Should they not? Yeah, for the wealthy, because typically, you know, there's there are obviously some people that happened to purchase a painting 30 years ago that they didn't realize was going to be drastically. Um, but you got to be good at picking yeah. paintings. It's and not art, like being good at picking stocks and picking mutual funds. You got to be good at that, that unique skill as well. Right. And art, art went through a pretty big bubble. It just like any asset class, it goes through bubble times. So it's correcting at this point in time, but typically it's kind of one of those things where in order to be good at accumulating the art, that's going to make you money in the long term, You've already got to have a lot of money. 
I'm with you. So, and uh, the idea on that is they're not making, you know, if, if it's a dead artist, Leonardo is not making more art, so to speak. Uh, I could drop that conversation because I'm going nowhere with that. But let's talk about the math of asset allocations. What do we need to know? Well, it's really creating consistent returns because you, the first thing you have to look at is is the game of math. It's the downside that makes a big difference. So if you drop 50%, you have to hit how much to break even? Uh, 100%. Right. I know that, so, but most people don't. So that's that's the thing. It's you know, you have to focus on on the ten year average return. Don't don't really look at the one and three year average return. It doesn't make as much difference. It's the ten year average return. So if you're trying to compare, let's say you're trying to go for a large cap growth manager, you make sure that the manager's been there for the entire term of the track record, ten plus years. You look at the standard deviation. So if you're comparing two funds, you would want the one with the best ten year average return, the lowest standard deviation, and the most consistency. Uh, and maybe even the lowest beta if you're trying to get to funds that are, are less less volatile as you get close to retirement. So standard deviation, beta, and the consistency of returns is, helps you you know understand the math behind asset allocation. Asset allocation and much, much more. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or find his website, chadburton.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking money investing and there's more. I'm circling back on Chipotle. It's starting to return to form. Chipotle Mexican Grill. It's. I grew up. I, I God. I want to say there was like a big three, maybe Wendy's, Burger King, and McDonald's. And every now and then you found like a fringe fast food thing as a kid that you were always t- typically suckered into. Like, not I, there weren't Happy Meals at my age, but there were like Star Wars glasses. Come get all a set of four. Come every week for one new one. This week, Luke Skywalker. You're like, I don't want Luke. I want Chewbacca. And uh, they suckered you in. As we've gotten older, we've said, hey, we don't need just three. We need more. And some regional restaurants do it very, very well. And then they try to go global or national and then global. And sometimes that doesn't work so well. Sometimes it's a regional thing, right? El Polo Loco could be a regional thing or a California thing. It may not translate into the East Coast. So when you look at investing, this is some of the things you have to look at because one of the things we want from CMG, Chipotle Mexican Grill, is growth. We want earnings. Now, that's going to sometimes come down to food quality, food costs, and labor costs. So when you hear about people in the street uh, lobbying for a livable wage, that doesn't necessarily translate well to the stock. Socially, it may be the greatest thing ever. But it may not translate well to the stock. The burrito giant notched a win in a very important metric last quarter. Transactions rose by 2% from year go levels. Woo-hoo! Now, with Grubhub and all the delivery services out there right now, it'll make your head spin trying to figure out the landscape. So you're trying to find metrics that you like. Transactions is a good one. It's a proxy for traffic. And by having a gain, it snapped a streak of losses. Therefore, maybe implying, don't assume, implying that maybe things have bottomed and are getting better. Now, how do they build on this momentum? And how do you get to mid-single-digit comparable same-source sales growth? 
So you want your own stores to grow, but you also want to add new stores if you want to get the investment community all excited. And sometimes you do it by coming up with another concept. Chipotle, a few years ago, everything was going great at the Mexican Grill, so what do they do? They decided, let's mess everything up and do a Chinese concept. Same exact idea. You stand in a line. It's cafeteria style. You say, I want some of this, this, and this, and then they weigh it or something like that, and you pay, and you're on your way. So Chipotle got into trouble with some food that was tainted numerous times. So maybe their supply chain was wrong. You've heard about the supply chain with Apple, right? Where... One of the things I'll say on this show is that China tells no lies. And it's almost offensive. And if it's offensive to you, I already apologize. But a lot of things are made and manufactured in China. And a lot of pictures are taken on the manufacturing line and spoiled for the company that wants to keep everything so secret. So supply chain is important. And sometimes, um, for instance, I just saw a semiconductor equipment company. Um, they basically came up with the wrong ingredients for their, their process and a whole batch of product was destroyed because of it. And when I'm talking about product, you're talking about cell phones, right? So Chipotle, I have my reservations about that stock has been through just a rock and roll phase, like a kiss. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. And like the next year, like, I want to see it again. Let's do it again. And it went through that for years. And they got into that, that food quality issue. And they got into an issue of how do we win people back? Because even me, or even I, I want cheap food, but I don't want to die when I eat cheap food, right? And I, I'm kind of a, a food snob, so let's just throw that out there, that I'm kind of a food snob. Anyhow, other big stories of note out there today... I want to hit on Disney because they reported numbers this week, and I I haven't really dug deep into them. So I did last night, and Bob Iger, he runs Disney. And I love Bob Iger. He's someone that uh, a lot of people would vote for president. His predecessor, not the nicest guy. He's the kind of guy like, oh, you lost your hand on our roller coaster? Well, here, take this stuffed Mickey Mouse doll. And like, that's kind of heartless. But Bob Iger is pretty solid at what he does, and he's saying the company's going to be very patient in launching a new streaming service called Disney Plus, despite the potential for a near-term hit to their earnings growth. The company reported little change in the fourth quarter revenue and a 36 percent decline in earnings per share. The stock didn't go down. Thirty-six percent decline in earnings per share. If I came home with a thirty-six percent decline in my paycheck. I would get beaten with a broom out to the street. Right? They did that. And Wall Street's like, yeah, nothing but a thing. Because you got that Disney Plus thing coming up. Remember last quarter, Disney raised prices in egregious 20% essentially across the board on their ticket prices for theme parks. It wasn't like 3 or 4%. We have to pay our employees a little bit more, so we're going to charge you a little bit more. It was egregious. It was says... We have so much foot traffic here, we don't know what to do with it, except for charge more money. And maybe that'll slow down the foot traffic. <laughs> they don't care about slowing down the foot traffic. Can you imagine counting all the cash and the credit card transactions that happen at one Disney park in a day? No way, fool. What a fun job, right? 
you'd be flying on your uh, calculator. You'd look up and you'd be like, uh-oh. I forgot a number. I've got to start over again. So Disney's got a problem with cable subscribers. They're tied towards ESPN. They fell only 1% during the last quarter. Cable companies are scrambling. I've got a second home, and I have high-speed internet at both homes, but they're different companies, right? One company is calling me called Suddenlink, and they're going, we see that you don't pay for cable TV, but you have cable internet. Because, oddly enough, the place isn't located in Texas, but that's where all the calls are coming from. We see... That's my impression of Texas. Um, and they're telling me, we can give you cable TV for $19 a month. Does that sound good to you? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm streaming it. I got some product. I'm good. All good. And uh, suddenly it's being proactive. Comcast, they're doing a lot. Now, that whole Xfinity thing, we're going to change the name of our service to Xfinity because, well, it's like Buzz Lightyear. It's, it's a complicated term that a lot of people assume is awesome. I think it's kind of stupid. But one company's being very proactive on lowering prices. One company's being active and like throwing like a lot against the wall as far as the quality goes. Disney's problem area doesn't look so problematic for now. The cable ESPN subscriber growth is dropping. When I was young, when I was a young boy, there was just one ESPN. Then there was an ESPN2. Then there's an ESPN+. Plus. There's ESPN College. There's ESPN University. There's too many ESPNs now. Because what they learned was people wanted to watch live sports. And they wanted to hear Boomer go, he's rumbling, slumbling, bumbling down the highway. Or down the road, uh, down the field. He's bumbling, stumbling, bumbling, touchdown. And people found that shtick, like, nice. Because you'd watch ABC, NBC, CBS, and the sportscasters were boring. And ESPN brought SportsCenter, like, schlock and stick, and, like, it was kind of awesome. Park revenue rose 5%. Iger said their acquisition of Pixar, Marvel Entertainment, and Lucasfilm have allowed Disney to engineer a film boom for all the ages, while putting hit characters and stories to work as new rides and lands at Disney parks. Growing attendance and visitor spending. There ain't nothing wrong with the, the overall uh, business at Disney. Getting kids screaming crazy about a new character. Do you have any kids? Uh, I saw a friend of mine. He, he posted a picture of his daughter building a snowman. She goes, I want to build a snowman. Do you know she's going to like get Disney dresses and uh, soundtracks? And she's going to want to take breakfast with a Disney princess. And she's going to want to like see Disney princesses. And then one day after her dad's bankrupt she's gonna go off and get married to some loser some loser and they're gonna make babies and she's gonna say i want to take my baby to disney like my daddy took me to disney i don't talk to my daddy anymore and she's gonna get her kids in the whole disney cycle it's a thing so mary poppins returns didn't exactly look super califragilistic expialidocious. They actually looked super califragilistic atrocious. So Mary Poppins grossed just three hundred million dollars worldwide. So it's like, where's the billion? The billion is going to be in coming up with a Netflix-like product. The billion is going to be 
you know, standing in line for the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run at Disneyland. It looks like a fun ride, but it's going to be an extremely long wait. Netflix has a massive lead, but Disney's got massive years of back catalog. And when push comes to shove, which, which kids show do you like the most? I don't know. Maybe some parents will be like, screw Disney. They're a big corporate evil company. Let's go with Netflix. It's a big corporate evil company. Just haven't been doing it as long. So I like Disney, and I do like Netflix. It's where our eyeballs are. I like Google for YouTube. It's where our eyeballs are. I like Fortnite, although there's not an easy investment for you, because it's where our eyes are. And if Facebook has taught you one thing, they've taught you a million things, not to exaggerate, but it's all about eyeballs. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. I'm always trying to figure out trends, and one of the very earliest parts of my career, I spent a lot of time studying the U.S. Census. There's a website, census.gov. And I highly recommend that people start, like, figuring out where we are as investors. One of the areas where I am is people are getting older in America. And growing up, I heard Japan was getting older and it was hurting their economy because when you get older, you promise people free health care and you promise them paychecks. And that has to come from somewhere, i.e. taxpayers. And if you're not having a lot of kids, you can't support the retirees. One kid can't support a retiree. It takes two or three kids to support a retiree. In America, in the next couple of years, it'll take 17 workers to support one retiree. That's crazy. That's unsustainable. We've got to have more kids. We need a baby boom. I know you're saying, please don't go there, Rob. Please don't go there. Or maybe we need more legal immigration to come into the United States and take jobs and pay taxes on them create jobs. As our population grows, um, so does the job market. Trump during the State of the Union is like, America's got more people working than ever before. We also have more people living here than ever before. That's not that impressive. But it sounds good the first time you hear it. I was reading uh, one of the reason Chipotle's uh, earnings report. and They have drive throughs now. And they're called Chippo Chipotle lanes. Chipotle lanes. I'm like, too much, too much. Now, I'm not going to knock the company for doing it, but I give them credit. They've turned around. And if you're ever looking for a company to, to put in a quarter that says, we've done what we had to to do the work right, maybe now's the time to buy a little bit. Maybe now's uh, in three months to buy a little bit more if they can put two together in a row. This new mobile messaging app that's starting to gain, I guess, conversation. It's a digital hangout app. It's a product called Squad. It's a video messaging app that allows users to video chat with up to six people and simultaneously share seven uh, share the screen with their friends. I'm not there yet. I'm still on occasional FaceTime, but I still like making phone calls. and I hate texting, but it's part of life, right? But Generation Z is the target market for digital hangout experiences. Young people are increasingly using digital spaces as havens, not just to communicate, but to commune. They're saying some of the, um, 
teen suicide and teen drug use is on the down because teenagers tend to hang out more so at home on their video hangouts or their apps or their phones necessarily than getting together and causing trouble. Squad and message and apps like it are positioned as digital hangouts. And digital hangouts, you know, that Fortnite concert with Marshmallow played on uh, a couple weeks ago, 10 million people went into the game to watch a concert. Not 10 million people went to YouTube to watch a concert. 10 people went into a game. Digital hangout. And they danced and they partied. Um, anyway. Third place right now uh, is, is Fortnite as a place for digital hangouts. And if you see kids anywhere between the ages of 6 and 13 playing Fortnite, they tend to be on chat apps. Not the chat app inside the game, but one outside the game. Because then they can talk to 20 or 30 of their friends, not just the ones playing on their current location. So, coffee shops and malls are in trouble, in my opinion, because they're becoming less relevant as far as hanging out. People have been digital their whole life, digitally native people. I know you're saying, is that kind of like indigenous? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like we're called digitally native. So you're going to see more apps come out, and you're going to see companies like Facebook copy what Squad's doing. Apple needs to beef up their messaging, so maybe they'll acquire. There's a company called House Party. Virtual hangout amongst many, 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 many young people. It integrates a popular mobile game called Heads Up. that lets users play with friends in the app. So I could see it. Like Things change a little bit, right? Digital hangouts are going to aim to drive the next wave of engagement growth. And uh, potentially addictive. That's for sure. Technology's definitely got an addictive uh, angle, right? A third of Fortnite players play 6 to 10 hours a week. And 35% of players in high school or college said they've missed some or a lot of school in order to uh, play the game. That's We've heard that our whole life, right? I don't think that's changed too much. But digital hangouts, something you've got to start thinking about. Tapestry, a company who makes purses, Kate Spade, Coach, things like that, they're lower today, big time. Consumer discretionary, you don't have to have a new purse. You don't have to have a new pair of shoes. And when they're luxury, could create problems. Tapestry seems to be blaming the political environment that people are just so upset with either loving or hating Trump or loving or hating Democrats or loving or hating Bernie Sanders or loving or hating whatever. They're getting frozen and they don't want to make bets. They don't want to invest. Isn't that kind of nutty? So the big stories today are slowing global growth, weighing on the mind of people. Most major averages open lower, but you can't read too much into that because how well we've done since December 24th, you know, short-term gain, short, short-term pain. Um, sometimes that comes to the area. Larry Kudlow is talking, saying there's pretty sizable distance to go with the U.S.-China trade talks. It's likely that President Trump will meet with China's president. No, no time date set. The U.S. will export anything to China that they'll accept. Uh, the China talks are, 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 are starting to get bigger and bigger feeling right now, going into March. 
I know we're saying we just started February. No, we're going into March now, the way Wall Street thinks. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.